no matter how good the work is, no matter how much people are impacted in a positive way, there's going to be groups of people that want to drag you down, minimize what's done, and question, is God a part of it at all? Hey, this is Pastor Terry, and here's some grace for your journey. If you're joining us again, glad you're back. If you're new, welcome on in. We're in John chapter 9, and Jesus has just entered into a situation that is going to propel him into the crosshairs of the religious elite. He is about to do something again that is going to cause the religious leaders, you know, the church-going folk, to really dislike him fundamentally. Now, he just made a really cool statement. He said, look, we must do the works of, of, those, of, of the Father who has sent me while it's still light. So we talked about that last podcast where, you know, while we have life, while we have breath, while we have our health, we must do the work that God's called us to. So now we pick up this story in, in uh, verse 5. And remember, he's dealing with a guy who's been blind since birth. So here's what happened. Now, Jesus says, now, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, having said these things, Jesus then picked up some dirt, spit on the ground and made some mud with his saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, now go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And so he went and when he washed, he came back seeing. Now, let's push the pause button right there. Some of you are saying, well, why did Jesus do that? Why did he spit on the ground? Why did he make mud? I mean, he's Jesus. Couldn't he have just said, be healed, and the guy would have been healed? Of course he could have. Could he have just thought it, and the guy have been healed? Well, certainly he could have. Could he have just maybe put his hand on his forehead, you know, like we see on TV a lot, right? You know, somebody put their hand on the forehead, and the, and the guy received Jesus could have done it any way he wanted. But it was important for the guy to understand something clearly, and that is this. You have to have trust in me, Jesus saying, you have to trust me. You have to believe in me. And hello, ready for this? You have to obey me. So it was one thing for Jesus to reach out to this guy, to find this guy on the side of the road, to reach out to him. But there's still obedience required. See, when God finds us in the area of salvation, we're wandering in the darkness of our sin, right? Our eyes are blind to the things of the spirit. Our ears are deaf to the voice of the spirit. We have a dead spirit inside of us that needs resurrection. It's one thing for God to awaken us right? And he does. Let there be no doubt. It is God who seeks us. We don't seek him. But even with that, there must be obedience in responding to the gospel. What is the gospel? To believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, to believe that he resurrected from the grave, and to confess him as Lord. To, and that's, what, that's what Romans tells us in Romans 10. And, and so that principle is throughout scripture. You still have, yes, God is the seeker. Yes, God is the pursuer. Yes, God could do it any way, but God requires obedience more so than anything else. So he spits on the ground, makes some mud, puts it on the eyes, puts it on the eyes of the blind man. The blind man goes to the, to the pool of Siloam, which, oh, by the way, they have found in Jerusalem. They found it right outside of Temple Mount. They found the pool where, where it flows into the temple. This is archaeologically true. A lot of people for years didn't think this pool even existed because they couldn't find it. But about three years ago, four years ago, I think it was, the word started coming out of Jerusalem, and now it is proven and identified. They have found the pool of Siloam. And that's exactly where this guy went and washed the mud from his face or from his eyes and came back to the Lord with his eyesight restored. So then we go on in verse eight, and the Bible says, now the neighbors of those who had seen this man before, a beggar, were saying, now is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he, but others said, no, 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 it's not anything like him. 
he kept saying, well, wait a minute, I am the man. And so they said to him, then how is it that your eyes are open? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. Now the point here, the takeaway here is this. When God does something in your life, sometimes the transformation is so profound, you might be unrecognizable to the people around you. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? You might be unrecognizable because of the profound work that Christ has done in you. And that's what's happening. So now look what goes on. Here's where the opposition arises. And this is what's going to plague this story for the rest of the chapter. Here it is. Now, they brought the man to the Pharisees who had formerly been blind. Now, it was the Sabbath day, uh-oh, when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again, now the Pharisees asked him and said, now, how is it that you received your sight? And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man who did this thing to you is not from God, for he does this on the Sabbath. He does not keep the Sabbath. But others said to him, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? So there's a conflict. Okay, he healed the guy on the Sabbath, which is a sin in their mind, but yet he healed a guy on the Sabbath. <laughs> so how is it that a sinner breaking the law is able to do the things of God? Interesting question. And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes, he said, he is at least a prophet. So here's what we get. Jesus doing profound things, transforming lives. But there's always a group of people that are not going to be for it. There's always a group of people that's going to want the status quo, the same old, and they're going to want to be in control of how people perceive the move of God. Is that happening around you? Is that happening in your church? If so, rush to the scriptures. Look at what the Bible says. Look at how Jesus acted. Embrace the power of Christ. And guess what will happen? You'll have unbelievable grace for your journey. We'll pick up here next time. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you so much and thank you for today. Lord, as you move in power and advance your kingdom, as the gospel advances in a hurting world, help us not to be those who want to gate keep how you do it. But Father, cause us to be people who willingly get involved with you to advance the truth. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen and amen. We'll talk right here next time. Thank you so much for being with us for this episode of Grace for a Journey. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Connect with us at our website, www.graceforajourney.org, or you can find us on Facebook and YouTube. We hope to connect with you there.